Batman. The Case of the Chemical Syndicate. Based on Detective Comics number 27. Written by Bill Finger. With art by Bob Kane. Adapted by Ben Wong. It was the early days of the Batman, a mysterious and adventurous figure, fighting for righteousness and apprehending the wrongdoer in his lone battle against the evil forces of society. His identity remained unknown, but the case of the chemical syndicate was one of the first in his career. It started with a murder. The victim was a major chemical industrialist named Theodore Victor Lambert. He had been found stabbed to death in his home, his son's fingerprints all over the knife, making him the prime suspect. James Gordon of the Gotham City Police Department made his way to the crime scene to talk to him. Hey, 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 I didn't do it. Okay, believe me, it wasn't me, I didn't do it. Believe me. Calm yourself, son. Tell me what happened. All right. Well, tonight, I came home early. And as I was passing in the library, I heard a groan. Rushed in, and there was my father, lying on the floor, with a knife sticking up from his back. Then I saw something, or, or someone, leaping out the window. And my father's safe was open. I pulled the knife out. And all he said was the word contract. And then... And then he died. That's how I got my fingerprints on the knife. Hmm. Did your dad have any enemies? People who had an interest in his business activities? Well, there were his three business partners. Stephen Crane, Paul Rogers, and Alfred Stryker. As Lambert's home phone rang, the police answered. On the line was one of the business partners Gordon had just learned about, Stephen Crane. After learning that Lambert had been murdered, Crane panicked. Just yesterday, he told me he received an anonymous threat. Today, I got one too. I think I'm next. Don't let anybody in. We'll be over as soon as we can. But as Crane hung up his home phone, a sinister figure entered his room, armed with a gun. Crane slumped in his chair, dead. The murderer rushed to the safe, cracking it open, and retrieved its contents. A sole piece of paper. He climbed out the window, using a rope leading up to the roof, where he met his compatriot. Got it. But as the two men leered over their conquest, they didn't notice a third menacing figure standing behind them. It was the Batman. The Batman was clad in one of his first suits 
eyes glaring through a black cowl, the symbol on his chest showing a bat. Without warning, Batman lashed out with a terrific right, hitting one of the killers and knocking him out. He then grabbed the second adversary in a headlock and with a mighty heave sent the burly criminal to the floor cold. Batman swiftly picked up the paper that the murderer stole. But no sooner did he get to examine it that the police arrived. The young Dark Knight disappeared from the scene before he could be spotted as Gordon knocked on the mansion door. Crane's butler answered. Mr. Crane has been murdered, sir. It's horrible. That's two dead partners out of the four. The others must have received threats, too. Let's go. Away from the crime scene, Batman read the paper he snatched. When he finished, a grim smile came to his lips. He started up the Batmobile and sped towards an unknown destination. One of the remaining business partners was Paul Rogers. After hearing of the deaths of the others on the news, he immediately went to the home of the last remaining partner. Jennings, I need to see Mr. Stryker, quickly. Of course. Please, come in. But as he entered, the assistant, Jennings, immediately knocked him over the head, rendering him unconscious. Jennings carried Rogers to the laboratory, placing him onto a circular metal plate. When Rogers came to, Jennings had a chilling smile on his face. Jennings, what are you doing? Oh, a little experiment. This is the gas chamber I use to kill guinea pigs. Now, you are my guinea pig. Jennings pulled a brake, which lowered a glass dome over Rogers. Once it lowered completely, gas was set to come into the dome and kill him. Sleep well. <laughs> Jennings moved to the lower level to turn on the gas, somebody, leaving Rogers to please, his fate. Please help me! Somebody get me out of here! But there was hope. At that moment, Batman leapt through the open skylight. He seized a wrench from the table and leapt into the gas chamber right when the dome closed, trapping him inside with Rogers. Batman quickly plugged the gas jet with a handkerchief. He then untied Rogers before he swung the wrench into the glass, breaking them both out. Batman emerged just as Jennings returned. What the? Startled, he reached for his gun, but Batman went in for a flying tackle bringing him to the ground and knocking him out with one punch. Meanwhile, Jennings's boss, Alfred Stryker, heard the crash of the gas chamber and came to the laboratory. Rogers? What, 
What happened? Your assistant, Jennings, tried to kill me! So, he didn't get you after all. Stryker pulled out a knife, not noticing Batman, who had secluded himself in the shadows. Stryker! What are you doing? I'll finish you and throw your body in the acid tank. But before he could, the gloved hand of Batman grabbed him, <gasps> wrenching the knife away. What's going on? Why'd he try to kill me? He's the killer. You, Lambert, Crayon, and Stryker were all partners in the Apex Chemical Corporation. Stryker wanted to be the sole owner, so he made secret contracts with each of you to pay him until he owed the business. He figured by killing you and stealing the contracts, you wouldn't have to pay. And since the contacts were a secret among the four of us, no one would know a thing about them. But how did you know all this? I secured this contract from one of his hired killers. With the strength of a madman, Stryker tried to break away from Batman and lunge again for his knife. You're not sending me to prison. But Batman immediately knocked him down. Just as they heard the police sirens arriving. A fitting end for Stryker was awaiting him in prison. How can I ever thank you? But Batman had fired his grapnel, sending him up to the ceiling from where he came. When Stryker was arrested, he kept silent on the real reason he wanted to own the Apex Chemical Corporation. His associate, mob boss Carl Grissom, was looking for a new chemical business to launder money, especially after discovering District Attorney Harvey Dent was investigating his current holdings. But with Stryker's plan failing, Grissom would need to keep his business over at Axis Chemicals the future birthplace of one of Gotham's most notorious criminals. <laughs> the next day, James Gordon was at a charity event where he shared the story from the previous night. And then, Rogers said Batman went through the skylight. Among the listeners was billionaire Bruce Wayne, Couldn't believe it who seemed skeptical. <laughs> it sounds like a lovely fairy tale, Gordon. After Bruce left, Gordon wondered to himself. Bruce Wayne certainly leads a boring life. Seems disinterested in everything. But as Bruce returned to his home that night, he entered a secret cave below. If only Gordon could see him now. He'd be amazed to learn that the man he was just thinking about, Bruce Wayne, was the Batman.
This audio drama was produced by Newverse Creative, based on Detective Comics number 27, written by Bill Finger, with art by Bob Kane, adapted by Ben Wan, edited and directed by Tim Maxwell, featuring the voice talents of Simon Mitchell, Josh Portillo, Ken Ormiston, Tim Maxwell, Tommy Ricard, Ben Wan, Austin Garner, Tony Jenkins, and Neil Landers. If you like this adaptation by Ben Wan, check out the writer's podcast, Superhero Stuff You Should Know, along with his short story titled Shortcut to Happily Ever After at Metaphorosis Magazine. You can find the link along with a bunch of his other work at the website benwanwriter.com. <laughs>